Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Confessional. I am joined today not by trusty producer Jimmy Seleski, who's normally here, but instead by my second favorite producer and my favorite co-host, Sue Werner. What's up, Mike? How are you, Sue? You know what? I've never been better. What, what's uh, what's going on with the band? You got anything uh, <laughs> oh, to the band. there? Uh, a little bit. Just a, just a little, just a little uh, six-week full U.S. tour. Um, opening for Bad Religion and Alkaline Trio. Wow. Uh, starting in Los Angeles. Uh, Never heard of it. In, yeah, in, uh, on October 15th, we'll be on the road uh, during a global pandemic awesome. uh, for six weeks. And we're going to be playing large venues and um really selling this yeah we're no no we're gonna it's gonna be great it's gonna be great you know like please come and buy lots of merch where can people can people buy tickets and find all that stuff i believe the internet (laughs) Um, well you shouldn't well that's actually gonna be our topic today (laughs) not believing everything you read on the internet um all right. Well, war, waronwomen.com. Is that where you, uh, you a, find all the... Yeah. Uh, br- bridge9.com slash waronwomen. Okay. Let's say. All right. Cool. I should I should probably know that. So, listen, before we get into our guest, who I'm very excited about, let's talk about what we're going to discuss today. Okay. This is a very specific one, but you got to understand that when I realized what this, all the stuff this guy is into, I said, this he's now my favorite person. He like, I, I thought he was cool before. But uh, what we'll be discussing is urban legends that turned out to be true. Okay. I love it. Which is very specific. Right. But we got a surprising amount of submissions for something that I thought was so niche. You know what? I'm, I'm really, I'm actually really interested to hear them because I was trying to think of one that I knew from my experience that right. but I couldn't really think of. Any. Well, Action Park is, is kind of one if you think about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it is like legendary. Yeah, totally. You know, totally. Um, There's rumors about it. It was going all around. Yeah, you know, like the the it, it is true. It, I, I feel like I feel like Chris Gethard uh, specifically had a lot to do with um, kind of bringing Action Park into the wider consciousness. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, rather than just like, yo, I heard there's this crazy, right, right, crazy right. amusement park, and and it has a you has a slide where you what slide where you go upside down. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, you just you gave away our guest, Sue. Thank you for doing that. This gentleman. Whoops. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. This gentleman, he uh, is an amazing comedian. He hosts the beautiful Anonymous podcast, which was recently adapted. Did you know this? Into a four-part series streaming on Topic. Topic? Topic. All right. I love it. Uh, of course, he hosted the Chris Gethard Show, which was on True TV, And before that, I believe, was a public access phenomenon. That was the best. Phenomenon. The best show. And uh, he the has the HBO special Career Suicide which I believe is about depression, something you and I uh, know a little bit about. (laughs) A little bit, yes. And uh, this is what I'm so excited about, Sue. He actually wrote for uh, Weird New Jersey for a long time. Man, I used to read that all the time. But that was was before, but it was before I knew that it was important to see who wrote articles. Right, You know what I mean? Yeah, well, there's (laughs) one guy, I think his name, Mike Moran or something close. Yeah, something like that. Mark Moran or something like that. 
I think I actually asked him to be on the podcast and he didn't get back to me. But anyway, please welcome our guest, Sue, the legendary Chris. Chris Gethard. Chris Gethard. Hooray. Well, you couldn't get Mark Moran. You got, you got the next best thing, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, 100% of my success as a comedian has come from internet traffic. That was when from Mark Maron, Michael Moore, and probably Mark Moran. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Now, Chris, you have a show here in Baltimore that our listeners should all attend. Uh, it's going to be at the Auto Bar, one of our favorite venues, My September favorite 11th. Venue. Favorite? Yeah, venue. really? Yeah, I've, I've said this publicly a number of times. I think that it, it uh, you know, who likes to use words like best because that's subjective. But I can say my favorite venue to play in the country has consistently been the. Auto oh, Bar. that's, that's awesome. amazing! That's awesome. Yeah, do all my, sorts of stuff there. I think fourth time playing it and. Uh, it's just, man, what a good fit of of Absolutely. people who run the place and visual mm-hmm. look and things that I want to look for. And it's like cool enough that I feel like I can let my guard down. But everyone there is so welcoming that even people sure. who aren't punk rockers feel like they can walk in the door and they're not being judged or, or mm-hmm. intimidated. Completely. It's mm-hmm. the best. It's the Completely absolute agree. best. And of, and of course, uh, Sue, you played with Chris's wife there not too long ago with a version of the Ginger Blossoms. Yes, yes, uh, that's that's true. Did we play Auto Bar? Yeah, I was there. Okay, you know, it's uh, it's it's, um, yeah, yeah. Haley is um, the most amazing uh, front person. She is great. <laughs> she was great. Um, and just like I, I, I was like, uh, oh, we needed a singer. Because our regular singer couldn't do it, and I and I called Haley, and I was like, "This is such a long shot, but I heard that right. you like the gin blossoms. Right. Would you and would you be at all interested?" And she was like, "Yes, immediately. That's so Give cool. me where and when, so cool. you know." But uh, Chris's show will be Saturday, September eleventh, uh, nine p.m. Show ten p.m. Twenty dollars. You can get tickets at Autobar dot com. Chris, is there anything else uh, you wanna you wanna plug before we get going on our topic here? No, just, we got two shows. The first one at Autobar is almost sold out, and then the second one's getting there. So jump on them quick, everybody! And if you're in other cities, chrisgeth.com. I'm doing like 17 more cities between now and the end of the year. So nice. Wow. Love to see people out on the road. And even though it's sort of intimidating and scary to get out there right now, it, it actually has been feeling really, really good. So. Has your anxiety? I've I found like my anxiety with going out in public is through the roof right now. I um, I I have it. I also, you know, I also have the other anxiety though as a performer of like I'm pretty lucky in how my career sure. has gone. But I, I I like I'm someone who's really pretty stable, and I'm like I have more anxiety about losing another year of income than I do about sure. about going out in public. So I just try to be extremely smart and I've talked to my doctors and they're all like, yeah, you're a comedian. You go solo. Like don't mm. hang out at the right. after party. Don't be an idiot and uh, just kind of be a hermit otherwise, but go do the shows and be smart. And you know, it's this weird, this weird thing that I'm sure every touring artist is dealing with right now, which is like, it's kind of landing on our shoulders to ask the venues to have COVID protocols. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the even the states that are most restrictive. It's like, well, if the artist asks for X, Y, and Z, then you can do it. Even in other places where it's like illegal, so it's like, man, that's a lot of pressure. But I'm just trying to be as strict as possible. And I actually had a very lovely thing happen where I had I played Austin, and last time I was there, I like absolutely crushed, like sold out a whole weekend of shows. And then I played a venue this time that was actually a little bit smaller, and I didn't sell out any of the shows. And someone. 
I think some of it is probably that I'm older and less cool than I used to be. (laughs) You're bigger. Dude, when we announced that you were going to be on the podcast, people lost their stuff. If it was three or four years ago, they would have been flipping out. Believe me. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like you didn't, you stayed pretty consistently huge. I mean, with the uh, the HBO special and the, uh, that was 2017, baby. Anyway, I'll get over my insecurity. Point being, somebody (laughs) also did say to me, your fans are smart. So they're not coming out right now. I was like, well, if that, if there's a reason to have my ticket sales sure. tip, it's that I have people who are responsible. You got to find dumber fans. Silver lining, silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Chris, uh, we, we chose this topic of urban legends that turned out to be true because I was tickled pink when I, I, I was listening to some of your, your stuff, your podcast appearances. And you, like me, are fascinated with the fact that the bunny man legend of Virginia, where I grew up, uh, is actually based on a huge grain of truth. And that's one of my favorite mansplaining, well, actually, topics to annoy people with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I So I, I worked at Weird New Jersey for about four years full-time and then wow. kind of part-time for a number of years after that. Um, from when I was like a sophomore at Rutgers up until my mid-20s and then – uh, wrote the book Weird New York and co-wrote the book Weird US and oh, wow. did a lot of co-writing and ghostwriting on a lot of their other books, awesome. including uh, Weird Virginia. So I, I have often actually pointed to the Bunny Man as out of like the sort of big regional legends. I, as far as I can tell from my you know research and having lived in that world, it's the most true one yeah. out of all yeah. the big ones. Mm-hmm. But I would say by far. It's kind of eerie how real it is right so i'm not actually familiar with this one you don't know your bunny man history. i don't i don't i didn't i didn't i actually you know chris I, you want to feel this one I, I grew up in new jersey i don't so know did anything. chris yeah but his, it was his job, it was his job, job. To know this stuff. it's <laughs> true and it, i'll say this too if you um have ever read weird us the book there's a picture of the bunny man there's a picture of a guy in a pink bunny yeah, suit spooky. holding an axe on train tracks that is me that is me in my oh no way you look at that <laughs> picture very cl- carefully you can tell oh that's a young that's a very young baby-faced chris gethard dressed as a bunny <laughs> wow. uh, wow. it's in like the rest in virginia area i think yes. or yeah. false church some might say mm-hmm. uh but yeah the legend here sue is basically that there's this bridge everybody calls it bunny man bridge and you know, all or, all of these legends, because people are going to hear this, they're going to go, that's not the real story. All these legends have variations. Um, even the ones in Jersey, you'll hear different things about the Devil's Tree and Clinton Road, all the big ones we grew up with. Uh, but the broadest strokes are that there's a maniac dressed as a bunny who rampages around the woods near this bridge. Uh-huh. A lot of people say there was a bus um, transporting either prisoners or like mental asylum yeah. uh, residents. And it crashed and they caught all of them except this guy and some people say oh they keep they'll find like skinned rabbits all over the woods and he cobbles together his outfit out of actual bunny skins and that for decades has been the story kids will go out near this bridge and turn off the lights in their car and they'll try to see if they can get the bunny man to come chase him around with an axe that's the that's the <laughs> smart kids that's the lore and I might throw in that it does appear to be somewhat intertwined with the goat man legend of uh, mm. Southern Maryland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's uh, as far as I can tell that no one's really found an explanation for yet. That's a very popular. I knew about that one before bunny man. Actually. And the goat man, I think also focuses on a bridge, right? Isn't there a goat man's bridge as well? Or uh, no? there's, a goat, there's, a, there's a hollow. Goatman's hollow. There's, yeah, there's a goat man's hollow. And it was apparently it was a popular thing to graffiti goat man was here like in the 70s or something. I love that. I Absolutely. Love 
I know that there was a haunted put Goatman haunted, and the Witch Elm. There was a haunted attraction, you know, um, like for Halloween, uh, called Goatman's Hollow, and it was like I have a friend who, like, every Halloween, that's his thing. He like goes to every single haunted oh. attraction and like writes reviews of them. That's so and cool. And he has, you know, he's very, he's very specific, like haunted, like actual haunted or like fun haunted. Well, no, no, you know, like like all that stuff at Halloween, the stuff that's supposed to right. be scary. Right. Like pay you know, your but, ten bucks and walk through yeah. this abandoned warehouse and get scared. Yeah, I, dude, exactly. I love that stuff. Exactly. It's right. terrifying too. That stuff is still so scary to me. Like, but he, people jumping out again. He said that Goatman Hollow was the absolute number one best Whoa. haunted attraction ever. Like by by a factor of a million. Oh my god! Like they would like make fun of like what you were wearing. Like they, you know what I mean? I don't know. They 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 <laughs> so would it's like, psychological like yeah 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 yeah. Like you it's know like the yeah. army or something. Yeah, it's and and um and also it was just really well done. There weren't any like Freddies or Jasons, you know. Um, you say that like it's a good thing. Uh, you know, it, well, my one friend he he really didn't like it when they right. used like characters sure. from other sure. you know you be well known. Properties, right, you right. know, because then you're mixing universes. You're right. like, what continuity? Like a are you generic following? vampire, maybe, but it can't be like Bella Lugosi. Absolutely, you know. Right. Anyway, now, Chris, uh, could, could you explain to Sue real quick the the true story behind the Bunny Man legend? So, from what I remember, and I should have I should have like dusted up my research, but um, the thing that blew my mind because you know working at Weird New Jersey, especially back then, this was. 21 years ago that I first had the job. So the internet was up and running. It wasn't like the oracle of information at your fingertips that we have today. Mm-hmm. Still had to kind of dive deep. So what would often happen with us is if you ever read Weird New Jersey magazine growing up, which you did, so you'll, you might remember mm-hmm. like you'd see a thing where it'd be like in one issue, somebody would write a letter and be like, I grew up in this town and I remember something like this happened. And then somebody else would write in a more elaborate thing and, and you'd sort of see the information mm-hmm. snowball and it would come out and Started hearing about the Bunny Man as one of the big ones in Virginia. And that led to a lot of researching, which led to, if I remember right, it was someone had done an academic paper at one point. Yes. Yes. That I think it was a librarian or yeah. teacher. Somebody, yeah, she did a whole research study. Huh. On it. And had basically broken it down and tracked through like all the microfiche of local papers and oh, all the cool. references to the Bunny Man. And I don't remember anything this specific happening again, which was basically this legend started because this was an area that was very rural. And then when it started going suburb, it was happening really quickly. And there would be all these developments half built. And if I remember right, it was a military guy who was on leave. Yes. Was he was sit- uh, with his, with his sweetheart in the total classic urban legend scenario. But again, it really happened in like a down some road or something, hanging out in the car. Basically, hey, there, here's this construction site. Nobody's going to bother us if we want to, you know, do a little smooching or wherever that leads. <laughs> right. And some guy came running at them out of the woods, dressed as a bunny, holding a hatchet. And what he was yelling about was basically like, all you city folks need to get out of here. And he was kind of yelling about how he was mad about all this development. Right. Well, he, uh, I, I believe in that one, he's, there's two incidents, two main incidents. There were two, yeah. Where he, in that one, he, he actually threw the hatchet through the window and it landed on the floor and they drove out of there, of course. And then, um, the, do you know the other incident, Chris, where a, uh, I, I believe a police officer came across a bunny man attacking. Like chopping something down, right? Yeah, or chopping down a, a house that was being, that was under construction. <laughs> With, a, with an axe or with a hatchet. And then he kind of like chased the cop back to his car and he drove away. Whoa. 
And I think there was a third slightly confirmed incident where uh, he called up either the police or a radio station or something and, and complained about, you know, and they, they, they think it was the same guy. So this is the one like that's the most one-to-one in my entire experience working in this world. Uh, and I'm sure there's others and there's people who have put in a lot more time than I have. But I can say that, you know, for well over, you know, most of my 20s, I was at least partially employed researching stuff like this. And this is the most one-to-one as far as like, well, why is there the story of the bunny man? Well, mm-hmm. because a guy with a bunny a guy with a bunny suit used to run around with a hatchet terrorizing right right yeah find something that interesting right. at the heart of it it's usually like oh there was a there's like a, a man named bunny in the 30s and people didn't like but i'll tell you the equivalent i feel like of that is the pied piper of hamlin which is has is a mystery but apparently there was some real tragedy in uh, I think the 1300s in Hamlin, involving a piper mm-hmm. and a hundred children dying. So like the me- medieval Germany, right? Mm. Like, uh, yeah. And uh, what, so, like, what what are what do they think the actual tragedy was? They I don't mean, know. They don't know. They found like there's like vague there's like tributes to it. There's like right. uh, old tributes and and like copies of you know people writing down uh, like you know, there's like a stained glass window and somebody wrote down what was on it. It's not there anymore. Um, There's just all these vague tributes to a uh, hundred or so children huh. leaving Hanlon and dying. Huh. I know there's always been, um, I remember reading about that rumors that the infamous children's crusade, that these mm-hmm. might've been yeah, some children who were kind of told right. like, Hey, you're going to go fight the Holy war for Christianity's right. sake. And then really that's one theory. Um, there's yeah. a theory that he was a recruiter for the children's. There's a theory that he was some kind of murderer. Uh, or a pedophile or something. And then there's the most boring theory that's probably correct. That's it was just a recruiter that was getting people to go to like other towns and children probably just meant like children of the town. Okay. Meaning yeah. like, meaning like adolescents or something. No, no I like, think like they're saying like, it could just mean children of like, like metaphorical. Okay. Children of okay. Hamlin. Okay. So anybody could be a child of, Correct. Just like, but in my, in my research of, of it, and there's been almost no, there's no book written on this. There's so little. Um, I've, I think there was actually some kind of tragedy because the, 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 the tributes are just too mournful. Like they're, they just allude to something really sinister. Yeah. We should go there. We should check it out. We'll, we'll, fit, we'll get to the bottom of this. Absolutely. Somebody should. No one's really tried. <laughs> um, all right. Let's read a confession here. This one is from, shoot, uh, Katie Liz. Katie Liz. Katie Liz, who is, of course, from the town of... <laughs> Sorry. We'll add that in later. I forgot to write it on okay. this um, But she is from the uh, the uh, True Crime Campfire podcast, which is really good. Okay. She was a former guest. Uh, okay. Staten legend in the 1970s and 80s. There is an urban legend about Cropsy. Cropsy. Staten, Island? Staten Island? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Said Staten yeah, Island. Said Cropsy. Yeah. 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 It's a boogeyman that snatched up kids. A documentary points out that Cropsy is a common name for madmen and urban legends. This was said to have haunted the abandoned insane asylum willowbrook uh between the years of 72 and 87 four children and one adult went missing literally all the victims were last seen with andre rand a former janitor at the sanitarium the only body they actually recovered was that of a girl named jennifer who they found buried near rand's campsite 
Homeboy had like so many convictions against him for crimes against children. That really changed tonally. (laughs) Um, During this time, Cropsey was a popular legend that parents used to keep their kids in line, all without noticing that the actual monster was lurking in their town. Wow. Did we watch that documentary together? We did. I love. Do you do you happen to know the, those uh, filmmakers, Chris, that did uh, uh, Cropsey and um, I think American Legends was the other one. I don't know them personally, but I did enjoy Cropsey. I watched Cropsey. Uh, yeah, the sequel. No, there's a there's a oh, Cropsey dude, you'll sequel. You love it. You love it. They yeah they well a spiritual sequel. They they um they researched four more urban legends, including the I don't know why they don't do Bunny Man, but they do the uh, the candy killer like the Halloween candy poisoner, mm-hmm. and they do uh, the 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 Texarkana kind of lover's lane uh, phantom guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else do they do? I don't know if Clown. I... Clown. Oh, okay. I, got, I vaguely remember watching this. I, I definitely remember the Cropsy one much better. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, and then they do one more. I can't remember what the other one was, but it's a really good documentary. I'll send you the, uh, the name of it and everything. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah. Now, as Jersey people, were you guys, uh, did you hear about this Staten Island legend? Uh, I don't think specifically, but there's always legends about such and such a mental hospital and such and such, a, course, you know, a lunatic and, you know, right. uh, and like, um, you know, I wasn't really like, I, I, I did have some friends that were, you know, would like go to these abandoned mental hospitals, sure, sure. you know, and uh, be bad there. Of course. But I was, I, although I would have liked to, I was uh, never brave enough. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be brave enough today. (laughs) I went to so many. I I was that guy. Yeah. Staten Island. We didn't really hear about Cropsey um, by that era. I think that was much earlier than my generation Mm -hmm. of Jersey people. We did hear there was an abandoned monastery out there. I went there. It was abandoned, uh, abandoned portions of the Seaview hospital. I went there and this thing nearby called the farm colony. That was like a really scary series of abandoned buildings that I think were some sort of hospital buildings. But Sue, where can I ask where in Jersey you grew up? I will. I was born in New Brunswick and I lived there until I was like 10. And then Mm -hmm. we moved to North Brunswick, which I was not a fan of doing and then when i finished high school i moved back to new brunswick to go to records uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so, so like there was a mental hospital in menlo park that one got knocked mm-hmm. down before i was old enough but you always used to hear about that one because it was right off of route one mm-hmm. and then you also weren't too far from the skillman one in north princeton right yeah yeah that yeah, one yeah. everybody called the snake den yeah that one uh, that one i do remember and there was one in like Marlboro. I want to say. Did they just not demolish uh, asylums after they're done? <laughs> there using some, them? Like, yeah, I've been in. I've been in. Making a shopping the center. North Princeton yeah. one. One of the scariest things that ever happened in yeah. my life. I was when I was in there. I've been oh, in. Yeah. Marlboro, oh, I think I heard you tell times. that story on a on a podcast. Yeah, and I was up north. I was more up in North Jersey, West Orange. So we were right next to Verona, which had the Overbrook mm. Asylum. I also went to the uh, Greystone, which was the Morris Plains one, which. I had a sad moment last year where I was starting to break mentally as I want to do every few years. Yeah. And I, we had just moved out to a new house and I said, let me look up the nearest mental hospital uh, just in case, just in case. And it was Greystone. I was like, Oh no. Like I used to explore the abandoned parts of that. If oh, I get, if man. I become a patient at that, what a full circle thing. Oh, my well, I believe the, the one uh, that involved the Cropsey Andre Rand thing was the one that Geraldo yeah, actually like uh, did that, that mm-hmm. expose on. And I'm not talking about the vault, the Al Capone's vault. I'm talking right. about the, uh, <laughs> the thing where, 
you know, he did an expose and, and exposed like the horrible conditions of uh, this hospital. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, you know, not really. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, do you have a, uh, a New Jersey urban legend that has some truth behind it? Yeah, there's two that come to mind when I think of. Um, there's two stories that I think come to mind when when we thought of this topic. One, I'll do this one first because there's one that was like an extremely popular urban legend that actually led to something real, which oh, is kind okay. of an interesting thing. Yeah, where the fact that it was this site led to something. So there's this place called Annie's Road in Totowa, New Jersey. Um, and I've been there a million times. It's a great, great thing to scare yourself with. It's uh, Riverview Drive, I believe, off of Route 46 up there. Yeah, and, the, and this is this is in like pretty far like North Jersey. It's right next to Wayne, right? If you've ever heard of the Willowbrook Mall, it's like yeah, okay, the next okay, town okay. over from the Willowbrook Mall down Route 46 if you're heading east. There's like the Holiday in there, and then you'll see the exit. and It's pretty easy to get to the road, but when you just keep taking it, it gets more and more desolate. You'll see the houses stop and everything. All of a sudden, it's like sort of an industrial area, and then it's just a cemetery on one side, the Passaic River on the other side. Also strange, because Jersey's so small, the legendary Midgetville is also along this road, which is another entire separate urban legend, so you pass Midgetville. But the story with Annie's Road is... So there was this girl and it very, very traditional girl in white ghost. If anybody's like always things, in white, you always hear about the girl. in white. This is a very popular trope of American mm-hmm. ghost stories. Girl was stood up for the prom or somebody made a move at the prom and she rejected her prom date and she had to walk home by herself and she's crying in a dress. She gets hit by a car and dragged. The thing that kind of differentiates, differentiates Andy's road is they say that there's a blood stain on the road. And no matter how many times they've repaved it, the bloodstain reappears. That's like the twist on the girl in white legend you get with Annie's Road. Um, Spooky. Now you can go through and from time to time you will see red stuff on the road. I'll leave it to you to decide if it's blood or some urban legend loving person with a can of paint who's doing the right thing to keep this alive. (laughs) What is real is you can look up. There were a handful of kids in the 80s, I think 80s, maybe early 90s, who were from Clifton, New Jersey, and they became very obsessed with Annie's Road. And if you look up Clifton, New Jersey, Hail Mary murders, these kids basically, um, if I remember all the details right, they basically took their friend out there and they parked under this bridge along Annie's Road. Some versions of the story say you could summon her ghost if you do some things under this bridge, and they said they were going to do that, and instead... They all started saying the Hail Mary over and over again, the, the prayer. Right. I, we say it in the Catholic Church. I don't I don't know if the Protestants, if that's one of the ones they got rid now, of. I don't think Protestants are that into Mary. I don't yeah, think, I think that's think part of Protestantism, important. right? Yeah. Let's, let's ditch Mary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? One of them, uh, one of these kids uh, was sitting in the front seat and the rest of them knew that when they were saying the Hail Mary, one of the kids behind him reached over him and choked him to death with something oh my God. piece of wire or fabric or something what? so that's one where i go oh that's that's a road that a lot of people go there to look for this red streak oh. or to see if they can see the ghost of this girl walking down the road right they don't realize that actually that legend led to this obsession mm. wow fucked up teens that's led to something that's probably far more warped and twisted if you know about it so that that one kind of is the reverse sure. There's another one that I'm, um, because 
anybody out there, if you're listening, if you don't know Weird New Jersey Magazine, I would argue I was obsessed with it. That's how I wound up working there. I started sending them letters when I was 15 years old about <laughs> things I had heard about my hometown, things that my older brother used to bring me to see. And then they eventually hired me. So I can say from the fan perspective first, I think it's one of the best magazines that ever existed. Mm -hmm. A story about it. like yeah. Jersey pride specifically revolving around local legends. And it, like it, it, it's just the best and a real community formed around it. And there's one thing that I did there um, or that I was a part of rather that I think is the thing. One of the things I'm most kind of proud that I worked on in my life, even though it's really messed up is there's an article in a pretty early issue of Weird New Jersey, issue nine or 10, I think. And it just said, um, hey, anybody who grew up near Springfield will probably remember mm -hmm. that time there was this guy walking near the quarry and his dog got off the leash and ran off the woods and came back with a human arm in its mouth. That was the oh, first thing I remember goodness. reading about this. And wow. then this led to more letters coming in from people going, oh, the dog that came back with the arm in its mouth, that's real. Um, but that's no. the tip of the iceberg. This is the Jeanette De Palma case. And this has become something in New Jersey. And I think weird New Jersey is, is part of why people started really caring about this, this uh -huh. case again. Um, it's very true. There was a, someone walking their dog, dog got off the leash, ran into the quarry, came back with an arm. They went into this remote quarry. They found a body. Now it was a teenage mm. girl named Jeanette De Palma. Whoa. She had gone hitchhiking, as was the you know more standard back then. She never came back. Um, she was going to work in Summit. If you know Springfield and Summit, mm -hmm. these are like nice towns. Like Springfield is a very nice suburb, and Summit's mm -hmm. like a ritzy place. You yeah. Know? So not an area like high crime area. And right away, you can see. Um, my old boss, Mark Moran, he mentioned him and this guy, Jesse Pollock, he worked with. They actually put out a book called Death on the Devil's Teeth that's just like everything cool. from this case. But right away, you can see if you look at if you look at images um, of like the newspaper headlines back then, people were like, like the priest from the church she went to said there were Satanists, there were witchcraft, there was witchcraft involved. These people were targeting her. Um, there were all these rumors that the stones and sticks around her body were kind of arranged in mm -hmm. ways that indicated an occult ceremony had happened. Then uh, there were these other rumors that sprang up of people going, hey, this stuff about witches and Satanists and the occult, they're trying to use satanic panic to cover it up. They start going... Right. So all these rumors, the only other, like this quarry was really, really remote. And the only other thing on this mountain besides the quarry at the time was a shooting range used by the Springfield town police. There are people going, um, there were all these rumors that someone specifically the legends were the police chief's son had kind of an obsession with this girl. People are going, Oh, the police are the only ones who have access up there. They put the body up there. They put these sticks to make you think it was Satanist, but it was actually, they're trying to cover it up and protect somebody. And that sounds like bullshit too. But then you, um, you know, you try to contact the Springfield police. And I know this because I was part of doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and they would say, you know, you'd go, are there any public records that you guys have that we can have access to? You go, All the records related to that case were destroyed in floods. Whoa, um, of course. Go, That's not a good look. Mm -hmm. And then I actually will say Jesse Pollock, who, who co-wrote that book, 
they just put out publicly um, within the past few months that the Springfield police actually just recently located a bunch of records about the case after like a whole bunch of Freedom of Information Act stuff. So seems mm-hmm. like something strange did happen there that they were like either misplaced genuinely or like quote unquote misplaced. Know. And um, you can read a lot. My contribution to this was um, he, basically when we started hearing about this and we started publishing letters really, really strange things started happening in my life. This was in the era of answering machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd be sitting in the office and we learned pretty quickly at Weird New Jersey. It was just me and, and Mark Moran. It was Mark Moran and Mark Scrimmon owned the company. And at the time I was their only employee. So we worked out of a spare room in Mark's, Mark Moran's house and uh phone would ring and we learned pretty quickly, you don't pick up the phone because the people calling this magazine tend to be, you know, you never know if they're going to be lovable <laughs> or cooks either way. You let them leave a message. And the more we kind of wrote about Jeanette De Palma, we started getting messages from people going, Hey, like I know who did that. And here's the name. And he was this weird kid in the high school she went to and his family moved like a month after she disappeared. And he was never related to the, uh, to a police officer. Uh, that I forget, um, that I don't think it was the police one. It was a different kid. Or then you'd get like, a message that would say like, Oh, you need to talk to this person who used to work with the police because they got fired and they always knew more. And like, they would, they tried to like blow the whistle on stuff. You started, we started getting these crazy specific messages and we started reporting them to the police. When people are going, here's a murderer's name. We're going, right. Whoa. So what I wound up doing is we realized that this was like, it happened in the late seventies. We were writing about it in the early two thousands, but it was still very clearly an open wound on people who had grown up in this town. Like mm-hmm. very clearly, this was something that people wanted. Um, we're talking about, and mm-hmm. then a lot of people were going, "Why aren't they doing X, Y, and Z?" And all of a sudden, they're calling this like magazine that. By no means did we ever claim any sense of journalistic integrity. It was entertainment. It was, you write us a letter about how you went and you saw the devil's tree and somebody chased you out with a pickup truck. Like it was just a fun magazine. Sure. We'd sometimes dive deeper on stuff, but nobody had a degree in journalism. Like it was, was what it was to my knowledge. I Maybe somebody did and I never knew it. But <laughs> regardless, we've gotten deep. So I, I spent a lot of time going to the Springfield Public Library um, the Union County Public Library, the libraries in Elizabeth, because they had all the old newspaper articles. And wow. I, I was going and getting us copies and printouts of all the articles from the time. And even when it happened, um, the uh, stories were just nuts. Um, st- you know, when you have somebody who's like a priest at the church that the deceased is from saying, yeah, there's Satanists that have descended on Springfield and we've known this wow. was coming for a while and stuff. You go, this is wild. And then, you know, we got messages from some members of her family saying, thank you for talking about this. No one's been talking about this. It's bringing attention back. Maybe it'll help. We got messages from other members of her family going, what the fuck is wrong with you guys turning this into like fodder for right. your, you know, I don't want to read about like my relative's death and then two pages later be reading about like, oh, there's somebody with a statue of a wacky cow on their front lawn in Highland Park or wherever, you know, like, um, and then, like I said, the, once we published the real big article that I was a part of, that's when the floodgates opened and a lot of people started contacting us. It straight up saying it was 
this person or like mm. this shady thing happened. So that's one that kind of became, um, I think for a lot of people became boiled down to this urban legend of uh, oh, right. a, do a dog once brought right. home a wow. human arm in its wow. mouth. Now, Chris, you said there there was a book written about it. Was that was that uh, before? I mean, it sounds like there's kind of a meta twist to it with the the authors coming in contact with people. Well, that was we did the article at the magazine. Then I stopped working at Weird New Jersey full time around 2004, um, and I was that's when I started pursuing comedy more. But I I wrote Weird New York that came out in 2006, and I was ghostwriting and editing for them for a bunch of years. Um. And that the book "Death on the Devil's Teeth" was Mark from Weird New Jersey, Jesse Pollock, who writes for them now. That only came out two or three years ago. Oh, okay. So I spent a lot people. of time putting in legwork and compiling yeah. it. And the book's really crazy. It's first of all, it's like good, and if you like urban legend stuff, it's like jaw dropping because right. you're like, whoa! And I, I I was actually shocked when I read it because like they named some names of people. Like they have a bunch wow. of theories. Here's some active serial killers that were in the area and who Whoa. were caught, who, you know, if you start to look at their methods, maybe involve this girl. And um like they're naming names of some people that were kind of known to have lingered Damn. in that area with some bad, shady reputations about their their actions and intentions and mm -hmm. um it's a hell of a ride. So that's wow. one that I think is a Jersey based one that has that's a lot, a lot, a lot like um, of meat on its bones as far as like sure. real stuff leading to a lot of chatter and stories. Yeah, I can't wait to read about that. Sounds really fascinating. It's I feel like you, you touched on something interesting, Chris, that I kind of just want to go back to. Like, like you said, you know, this magazine, Weird New Jersey, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Newsweek. You know, it no. wasn't the National Review or the New Republic. It's, you know, it was like a fun magazine that, you know. It's like a counterculture kind of zine. Yeah, right. Exactly. Thing. It started but, as a straight up zine that a guy right, made yeah, out of his right. house with a typewriter. The real world. Right, right, right. What's that? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I think like probably around 1993 started. It was, it really did. Part of why I think I took to it so well was as a kid who was, my, all my older friends were in the punk scene. When I, I found it in a comic book store and I was like, Oh, this is just like a music zine about something else, which right. at that yeah. young age blew my mind. I was used to reading like Maximum Rock and Roll and all right. like the local zines and picking them up at Let It Rock in Montclair. Mm -hmm. And then I saw this one. I was like, wait, this is about the fucking abandoned mental hospital that my yeah. brother and his idiot friends break into. This is nuts. So cool. God, I'm, I miss that stuff so much. You know, I, I feel like you touched on something that was really kind of interesting. You know, um, this, you know, this is this is just like a zine. You know, it's not Newsweek, it's not the New Republic, um, but you start digging into something that was like, a, like you know, not just something kind of weird and funny, but something that was like a real source of pain for a lot of like people, like people in the community, and that must have been you, you, you couldn't have been used to that, right? Like working, like uh, working at this kind of uh, working at this kind of uh, publication, right? Yeah, that was it. Was rare to have something churn up in that real away um you i would say usually when there were things like that where you'd go this was rooted in something kind of macabre from real life it would be from much further back than the 70s mm -hmm. and even yeah. ha even then having that would have been what 30 years prior it wouldn't have felt so fresh it, uh -huh. it, it was wild to be getting calls from people who were going i went to high school with that girl and here's who we always thought did it and yeah. here's why you go wow well, she 
if I remember right, was 16 when she was murdered and rest in peace. But that means you've been sitting here looking for anyone who will listen to you uh, since you were wow. 16 years old. Wow. This is wild. This was wild. Mm-hmm. So, and, and again, but in a, in a strange way, not that they are equitable in tragedy, but the bunny man, a similar thing. It goes back to some guy who was like, really, uh-huh. it was a, it was a real thing that some mentally ill person had a lot of trouble reconciling. And that led to these very, very specific things that, that was always a thing at Weird New Jersey that I learned is you'll hear certain things over and over again. You'll hear about the ghosts of teenage girls in white dresses. Mm -hmm. You'll hear about cars that flick their lights on and off at you. And those are actually murderers and gang initiations. And you'll hear about hitchhikers, clowns and vans and all these. And you know, then the clowns and the clown stuff comes up on the internet every few years. Yeah. Well, that's, I feel like that's another example of one that started as an urban legend and influenced a real life thing. Yeah. And has influenced like viral marketing attempts. Yeah. Totally. totally. Yeah. Some people, I think it's still kind of a mystery as to whether that whole clown scare had something to do with the release of it. Mm. Like if that was some sort of publicity that would thing make they're sense. encouraging. So then, you know, you hear things like that and you go, well, these are variations on that theme. Right, um, right. And then when you hear something super, super specific, like a guy, because someone wearing a bunny suit, right away you go, well, that's not, that's not what you would pick. If you, if you went to the Halloween store and said, let me pick the scariest costume, you would right, say, so right. why is it that? You know, you hear about, oh, a dog brought home a human arm in its mouth. You go, oh, th- there's something real that happened there. And right. So a handful of things over the years that I remember that sort of fit that bill. Um, and it's almost always rooted in like people and actual people's activity. Even, even Baltimore has one of my favorite ones too, which I bet Baltimore people rolled their eyes at, but I always found, I always found the Poe toaster very fascinating. Oh, yeah, right. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Where I'm like, that is just either someone who's filled with weird glee at this or someone right. who's got something of a screw loose, but they've been doing yeah. this for so long and they mm-hmm. re- somehow managed to evade for, I think for, right, I think it all eventually came out who it was, but for years and years and years, they managed to cover it up. I'm like, God bless him. That is. Uh, yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great one. I think it was actually a father and son. It was yeah. the man was kind of passed at some point wow. but they stopped doing it after i think the 100th anniversary of poe's death wow yeah oh they yeah. they finally officially hung it up yeah it hasn't happened in the last few years people still come out to try to catch him uh nope seems oh, to have retired somebody's got to pick up the torch on that right yeah absolutely I'm looking at your way Marie. <laughs> yeah, you're right i mean i don't have a lot going on i could probably squeeze that in um have you ever, did you ever, just before we get to the next confession, did you ever hear, I, obviously you guys know the Jersey Devil. Yeah. Do you, I, uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Brian Dunning, who does Skeptoid, uh, seems to have linked that back to a political attack ad from like the 1800s, where one politician huh. was calling another politician the Jersey Devil. Huh. Okay. Oh, that's, uh, that's cool. That's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I, my dad told me about the Jersey devil the first night that I camped out in the backyard. He was like, look at, you know, he was like, look out for the Jersey. Yeah, exactly. He's like, look out for the Jersey devil. (laughs) Well, yeah, that I, I, I probably stayed out there like 10 minutes and, and I like got too scared and came back in, you know? Well, another one we have uh, locally here is the, the exorcist. Yeah. Which very recently was, they finally found out who it was. It was based on a boy uh, in, mm-hmm. in uh, Cottage City, Maryland, 
and um, he, he has never done a single interview. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's never done anything. Uh, and they recently discovered he he was a uh, he's a former employee of NASA and still lives in the area. Well, all right, love that. <laughs> I love that. All right, let's read. Uh, this is from Katie, Los Angeles. The Zodiac Killer. Grew up in Benicia, California in the 90s, and people would talk about the guy that would kill you if you went parking, quote-unquote. Thought it was just a boogeyman story to keep kids from making out in cars. Kind of sounds like uh, the the one you were uh, talking about, Chris, with the arm. There's an actual set series like you know she she heard about this thing right. and, and thought it was oh right 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 she thought it was made up but right, uh, right. yeah 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 it, yeah it, it kind of went from something really specific to something really generic exactly yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> you ever zodiac, had anything like that or, the zodiac that? is really i mean obviously like super right. dark story easy to go down a rabbit hole getting obsessed with like i've read mm-hmm. the book on it where it, you know, there's an author who has famously kind of painted a picture that it was probably this one guy and they know who he was. They just can't get the evidence together. But there's a thing happening right now currently that I would argue fits a little bit more of the theme of what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Which is, do you, Have you read up on the smiley face killer theories? Yes. Yes. That is, that's very interesting because, Sue, do you know this? I don't. I, I am apparently not up on my murder conspiracies, so, but like, let's. <laughs> there's a thing happening right now, which is um, there's been a series of, I, I believe, if I have my facts right, young men, a lot of times, like college, college men, okay, who get drunk, leave bars, and then are found dead in bodies of water, is the okay. broadest strokes. And there's rumors going around that in a lot of these places, which are in very spread out cities, that they're started that they have been finding graffiti of a smiley face near the bodies. But this is a really interesting modern one where huh. it's very hard to ascertain if people are actually finding evidence that this is true, or if this is the internet kind of making right. up an old legend and connecting a bunch of cases that have nothing yeah. to do with each other. Well, I mean, I, th- I feel like the real question is: Are there just enough? smiley faces spray painted naturally that you're going to find one within the vicinity of a, of a death hmm. most of the yeah. time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really is. It's like people have, there are now enough internet sleuths and right. Reddit mm-hmm. has a, a few subreddits that are like amateur detective sort of stuff. People kind right. of analyzing it and going, Oh, now there might be people taking the bodies and inventing ways to link them in a right. way, it's right. kind of right. the building of a modern mm-hmm. version of these urban legends, and it's kind of happening over the past few years, article by article. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know if there's that. any law enforcement agencies that are taking the smiley face thing seriously. I believe there's one guy. I think there's one uh, police officer who's like really dedicated to it. Okay. From what I understand. What's What's your theory on that one, Chris? My theory on that one is that I am not qualified to have a theory, but that I will read anything about it as it right. as it comes up. And I, I do know that I've read a few articles, and I think some of them are in places that have some journalistic integrity, and then some mm-hmm. of them are in places where you can also see like slideshows of cra- of dogs with f- human-looking expressions on their faces. So <laughs> where can I find these? Yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of stuff on the internet out there, Mike. You should Google. There's a lot of great dog content. Uh, I, I, mostly, I heard there's naked people if you look far enough. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it gets wild. But I'm, I, I, both as someone who's like a true crime 
kind of some someone who does sort of uh you know, sadly get entertainment out of tragedy in that true crime way. And somebody who looks at these urban legends, you're going, Oh, sort of both of these things are very fascinating. So I, I, rather than have theories, I'm just mostly as Mm -hmm. any type of stuff that comes out, I read up on it. Now, Chris, would would you ever consider uh, uh, doing some, some new media in that realm, doing like an urban legends uh, kind of project or kind of combining your, your humor with it all? I would love it. Um, I feel like, and I mean no offense to other people out there who are paying their rent um, in any way and people who believe in whatever they believe, but I do think that, uh, like, the the joy I always took from Weird New Jersey was, like, we were not Ghostbusters, and it's not like if you told us, oh, there's a ghost. Like, we weren't going to show up someplace with, like, a bunch of thermometers and, and you know, like, like, Geiger counters. Pack. Yeah, right. like, and there's people who do, and I think a lot of the ghost shows on TV – um, are of that ilk. And, and again, go out there and make your rent. Mm-hmm. I'm not disparaging you. I also know that just from having done it, I've also read a lot of letters, phone calls, in-person conversations during my time in this world with people who will tell you, oh, here's a ghost situation. And really what's going on is they're in a lot of pain because they lost someone or they oh, yeah. have Absolutely. a condition that's clearly untreated. Mm-hmm. So I always have felt like there's a lot of room to celebrate these stories without taking it too seriously or without sure. making any claims about its validity or trying to solve mm-hmm. it or be an authority. Just the idea that these stories are out there, I think is like culturally very interesting. And exactly in a way too, like country of, you know, we, we, we showed up here and, took out the native Americans and it's just mm-hmm. been kind of wave after wave of people getting displaced and shifted mm-hmm. around. And I think the stories are all rooted in that. Like as I got mm-hmm. older, like it actually the exact bunny man scenario fits a lot of what I have noticed about where these places tend to spring up, which is New Jersey and Ohio, I think are two of the most you can't throw a rock without hitting a ghost story around there. You can't drive mm-hmm. 20 minutes in Jersey without finding something fucked up and haunted. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot Maybe of we're all biased to our own regions, but I, I feel like that about around here, you know, mm-hmm. like it just kind of the, the DMV area. Well, you know, we got I was Black just, Aggie, we got exorcist, we got goat man. We got bunny man. I was going to uh, say, it's. A, I, I think places where things shifted from, uh, rural to suburban to mm-hmm. urban. I think when those things happen very quickly, mm-hmm. tend to get a lot of ghost stories because what you have is a whole oral tradition and way of life that's existed for generations getting like knocked out as if like a cue ball just banged into it and moved it over. Mm-hmm. And you get these like remnants of old stories that sit with new people who don't understand the old way of life. And those mm-hmm. stories then get twisted and magnified and feel even more unusual to the way of the life of the people now living there. I kind of feel like suburbanization and suburban sprawl have a lot to do with why these stories happen. This is now just going to be really nerdy. But I'm you like, know, that's really interesting. Like kind of like converging it more from like, I don't know, a like, like how do folk tales migrate? Yeah. You know, how does folklore migrate, you know, and evolve? Yeah. The story like, of the story yeah, is just yeah, as interesting yeah. as the story. Yeah, 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 totally. I think um, and, and also not treating it like, not being a trying, trying to be Ghostbusters about it, you know, but like treating it like a tale. Yeah. yeah. A, a lot of times these things exist in places where you go, oh, well, 50 years ago, this place didn't look or feel anything like it feels now. Hmm. And this story is left over from 
Right. Those prior yeah, two hundred years. I, I think um, the, the Exorcist actually has something to do with that because apparently that, that was a uh, there was kind of a white flight from that area, like right after mm-hmm. that happened, and uh, now it's a Hispanic community, so mm-hmm. no one there like has any. It's hard to get information on it, mm-hmm. but I did talk to a girl whose uh, grandmother grew up there, and she said it was actually more of like a neighborhood hysteria type of thing, mm-hmm. where like multiple people thought that demons were coming to their area. Mm-hmm. Taking over their kids, all the satanic panic stuff we grew up yeah. with. I look back now that oh, I have yeah. a son as well. I'm raising a two year old. I'm going. <laughs> our entire generation was, you couldn't drink milk without seeing an image of a kidnapped child. Any van, <laughs> God forbid, a van drove down your block. Oh my god! I thought a white van. I mean, I thought the satanic thing was just fact. I had no idea anything other than I thought like literally there were satanic groups. I was so wor- I was always worried too about my favorite bands being satanic. You know, I did not want to find out that Bon Jovi was satanic. <laughs> but I would hear that. I thought people who played Dungeons and Dragons were bad kids. You know, like I really thought that. And then, but then you look at how we were actually being raised. It's like everything we were told was you're going to get killed and murdered and witches and satanists. But also, we were allowed to just sort of freely roam. Right from sun up to sundown with no accountability, places like Action Park where people were getting killed, <laughs> yeah. and our parents would pay yeah. money yeah. and drop us off there. So it was like we were we were a generation raised where the words meant were meant to scare us, but the actions no one right. talked right. about they were far scarier, and all that satanic panic shit ties right into it. It's really it drives me a little nuts. I go, I hope my kid feels like he can. Walk past three trees, and there's not going to be someone sacrificing a rooster behind. <laughs> I thought any time you hearing, saw uh, trees, that was going to happen. Tree, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah, uh, I remember hearing uh, that you shouldn't buy those those shirts that Cheerios was offering that had your name. Oh, they yeah. print your yeah, name yeah. across the back because kidnappers are using those to get the trust of children by knowing their name. Definitely heard heard that one. Definitely heard that one. Every Mickey Mouse, anybody who ever hands you a Mickey Mouse sticker is trying to dose you with LSD. Acid, yeah. <laughs> the worst one. drug dealer ever. I know. Giving it away for free. Getting hooked. Get them hooked. Get them hooked on acid. All yeah. these kids over here with these acid addictions, yeah. just strung out on acid. <laughs> All these kids with open fix. minds, seeing yeah. possibilities. I heard that if you even touch acid, you'll trip. Wow. You know, I heard somebody like just like you know somebody handed her some 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 weird guy on I, the street handed her a piece of paper and then she just started tripping. I always heard you if you do if you skin? do it eight times, you're declared legally insane. Legally insane. And you can't join the army. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's read. We got a, one more. One, right. This one's of kind of a different ilk. I thought it'd be nice if we include something that's you know not not so much the the spooky gory type. Uh, this is from Adele Vaness. Who's from Tunbridge, Kent, England? All right. All right. Uh, I think it has to be that we shouldn't feed ducks bread, give cats dairy, aka milk or cream. Same for the hedgehogs, too. It really buggers <laughs> up their digestive system and could even kill them. That's uh, a lot of things movies and TV shows have shown us, and it's just lies. Now, it, is there any propaganda shoved down your, your your throat more growing up as a kid than cats love milk? What well, uh, cats love milk? Yeah. Cat, and mice, but mostly milk. But have you ever seen a cat being fed milk in your life? 
Uh, no, because I heard that you're not supposed to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, buggers up their digestive Why system. Why is that such a trope in like every Disney movie, every cartoon you watch? I don't know, it's a great question. So weird. Yeah. I didn't realize there was all this hedgehog propaganda out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no we are worried about the hedgehog population around here. All right. Are hedgehogs only are hedgehogs native to the North America? I don't think they are. I don't know. I think we got porcupines. Right. Yeah, they're also spiny, but they're much more dangerous than hedgehogs. Hedgehogs are cute. Shauna, mm-hmm. do you want to you want to jump in here? Hi, hi, everybody. Do you have a, an urban legend? Uh, where you grew up in, in Texas, right? Yeah. What was the, what was the popular urban legend in Texas? All I remember is going down to the creek and and caring about crawdads for some reason, but I don't think there was any kind of like they were going to haunt us in our okay. trees. So, <laughs> like, so what's the what's the legend there? I don't think I you're just saying one. crawdads existed. Is what you're saying? Yeah, like go get crawdaddies and well, there's put lots of truth to that one. Yeah, and uh, and but maybe you shouldn't eat them. Because maybe they're poison. See, I don't okay. have anything. I Thanks remember, for that. I remember <laughs> a Texas ones off the top of my head. You had the uh, in San Antonio, the Crybaby Crossing, which was uh, railroad tracks where a school bus got hit by a train. Oh, and right, right. Oh, wow. That, that one, that one exists in different regions too. D- different versions. Of, in Jersey, we have one called Gravity Hill, and. Mm. San Antonio, it was if you put baby powder on your bumper, right, right. the car will roll backwards uphill and you'll see little baby handprints yeah. pushing it yeah. away from oh, wow. And also, I believe with that one, there's another element there where uh, the um, street signs are, na- are like children's names, uh, the street uh. names are children's names. So people have connected that. But of course, there's no evidence of the school bus. You got the Marfa lights in Texas. You have the unexplained lights outside of mm-hmm. Marfa. Unexplained lights. The unexplained really, crawdads. Maybe I was just too young. No one ever told me this. What stuff. about the uh, Texarkana killer? <laughs> you know that uh, guy? Maybe I've been drinking too much the last four years. I yeah. cannot remember <laughs> anything like this. Huh. Is there any more Texas ones, Chris? I mean, I, I pulled two out of my ass there. I feel pretty good already about yeah. that. I'm trying to think. Right. I worked there yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else we would like to uh, touch on before we wrap it up? Any any other uh, legends or, or anything else you can think of that we could uh, close it out with? I would love to hear. I I feel like I bet a good source of legends now would be from truck drivers. Right? Interesting. You know, because uh, like because truck drivers are always talking to each other. Right, you know, mm. about you know, because you have to. Oh, the, oh, there's the doing construction on this road, or there's, co- there's cops, or look out for for this right. thing, whatever, right. you know. And you know, they'll be having coffee at the, you know, at the Love's truck stop and Absolutely. like whatever. And like, uh, you know, it. Like, I, I, I wonder, I wonder if like there's ever they ever like talk about like spooky stuff they saw. Interesting. You know? I feel Interesting. like that would be that would be a cool survey to do if yeah. one would be. Brave enough I to feel just like, like they walk do. into the truck stop. I feel <laughs> like there is. I I don't know if you listen to these, Chris. I really love the um the the YouTube videos that are like Reddit stories of you know the supernatural or whatever. I feel like one of them they've touched on is trucker horror stories. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like it's one like the, a, a, one of the most chilling stories I've ever read was about a trucker who was a uh, a serial killer. Oh, cool. Um, trying to remember where it was published. But it wound was up. Was it a true story? Or? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, as you can imagine, truckers, um, 
very uh, like people just pass through and there's not much accountability. And mm -hmm. there's also a lot of prostitution and drugs mm -hmm. and sort of black market stuff that people keep hitting. And there's a lot of runaways who want run over truck stops. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I, I forget where I read it. It was, it was in like a, a magazine that like something huge, but once read about a woman who ran away and it wound up, um, they wound up later connecting it back to a, a serial killer who they caught, who was a truck driver who was picking up runaways and, and kind of torturing them and killing them. And wow. there's a, a, a story out there from this woman who, when she was a teenager, she had run away and wound up in a cab with this guy accepting a ride. And she said she just watched him change, just watched oh, his whole personality no. flip into something really dark. And from what I remember, the, she basically said that she like threw a Hail Mary pass. The guy pulled into some desolate lot. She just turned to him and was like, whatever this is right now, I want you to know, like, you're still in the, the guy I met. You have to be in there somewhere still. And Whoa. like, you don't have to do this. Like you please, like, please fight back, get control back. I see what's about to, like, she basically said, I can Whoa. tell you're about to kill me. Um, and called it out. And Whoa. the, the article is this incredibly well-written thing where she describes this moment where she just saw his face, like briefly change back to the guy who she had accepted the ride from. And he just mm. went run run right wow. now run and that she took off crazy. into the woods and then the guy kind of stalked around for a while looking at her when it, whatever this compulsion was or this mental illness was oh kind my of, god that, that, me, that kind of sounds like the one that uh polly the nirvana song was based on oh yeah maybe i don't know Have you heard that chris i, it, I feel I, like that might be it i don't remember off the top of my head yeah, but that I gotta find that story, yeah, Chris. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, you've given us a bunch of rabbit holes to go down. It was in GQ. About. It was a, a 2012 oh, okay. article in GQ Here. titled "The Truck Stop Killer." Whoa, okay. by Vanessa Veselka. All right, Spooky. that is going uh, on my Absolutely, Vanessa Veselka is not the. She's not. She's not a uh, reporter interviewing someone about it. She is. Writing first person. first person, she is the journalist, <gasps> and it's a scary ass story about some stuff that mm -hmm. happens out there on the roads of America. Okay, wow, I gotta read that like right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Well, uh, once again, uh, Chris Gethard will be appearing at his favorite venue ever on the eleventh, uh, the Auto Bar. Two shows. Two shows. Two shows. Yeah. First one. Two shows. One night. Two wow. shows one night. First one's just about sold out, and second one. I think it might actually be half. sold out because I think this is the only one that came up. Ooh, All right, I would love that. Good I mean, double you. check because last I heard we were getting there, but yeah, I would love love to see people come on out, hang out, have Absolutely. fun. Hopefully, we'll, we'll mess, be able be to smart. stop. Yeah, probably. for sure. Are you doing? Is it? Are you doing it out in the uh, the alley? Or are you doing the stage inside? I think these ones are indoors. Last time yeah. I did it, it was. Um, yeah, last time I, I did that. it was outdoors, but right. I think it'll be yeah. indoors. These ones. Yeah, I went to a show last Saturday at Auto Bar, and it was inside. Oh, Everybody awesome. was wearing masks and everything, though. Right. So that's, right. Cool. Cool. So that's something. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. No, that's great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys. A pleasure to talk, about, to talk about my past as yes, a. Yes. Uh, urban legend you know Absolutely. what i got one, one more quick question and yeah. is there some sort of omnibus collection of uh weird new jersey issues well they put out a hardcover book it's not the collections of the issues you grew up with okay. but the book mm -hmm. 
uh, there's two volumes of the Weird New Jersey hardcover books, and it's like compendiums of all the best stories. And then awesome. there's Weird US, which is a national one. And then mm-hmm. it was I Weird Maryland. Mm-hmm. Has the, it has the fake Black Aggie on the cover. That's not the real Black Aggie. Do you know that? There's two. There's well, some confusion over which one was Black Aggie. Travesty. And I, I personally sleuthed out a truth in that one. In that, uh, there's a legend that the the arm of Black Aggie was cut off by uh, 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 someone, a groundskeeper there, uh-huh. who said that Black Aggie told him to cut it off. But Black Aggie doesn't have the type of arm she can cut off. But I found that it's on that other statue. There are several slice marks. Oh, all right then. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to update the uh, c- compendium. Yeah. yeah. You know. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. I, you know. I would love. I would. Uh, I bet, I bet they're out there somewhere. Those old, those old issues. I just like, you know what I mean? I love looking at like, like all the weird letters and all the, just like, you know, like yeah. not even the best articles, but I want to see the bad ones too. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to see like the dude who's like, I grew up in Rahway. You guys got to go check this out. It's fucked up, man. Like it's <laughs> part of the charm. That's part of the joy. Right. Well, uh, we'd love to have you uh, back on next time you, you come to town, Chris. We could talk some more urban legends and, and spooky stuff. But uh, thank you so much and good luck with everything you're doing. And we will see you on the 11th at the Auto Bar. Hell yeah. All right. All right. All right. Thank Goodbye, you everybody. We'll see you next time on The Confessional. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs>